I am the only unbought and unbossed politician. Why should I step back? This is Unbought Power Hour with Rasha Mubarak. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. I'm, I haven't, honestly, I haven't had my coffee. <laughs> and I was just like, it's all good. I, I feel that. Food. I, too, have not had coffee. I haven't eaten yet, either. Oh, oh, yeah. But, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah. It will happen. What's your go-to coffee? Um, hey, boo. My <laughs> go-to coffee. What have I? Okay, do not judge me. So, McDonald's sells these K-cups, right? So McDonald's has these cake cups that I've been obsessing over because they give you like the little foam stuff to put in it too. Oh, they make the little foam thing. That's yeah, so that's that's been my obsession. Yeah, and mm-hmm. everyone's loving your accessories. My accessories? Oh yeah, yeah. these were actually made by a black-owned business. What it's is like it say? Capricorn. It says Big Baby. Hey, it's a nickname. It. And then uh, a sterling silver Cuban link with the Nike logo, okay. you know. So it's so crazy. So it's not crazy, actually. But I, when I emailed you, I got an automated response. I was like, oh, damn it. She responded real fast. And then I realized it was an automated response. And I was like, oh, OK. It was like, if you need data research, <laughs> contact me here. If you're contacting me for Movement for Black Lives, contact me here. I was just like. That makes sense. And what have you been up to? Tell us about like the different titles that you you know, you're just you that are honestly, if it weren't for folks like you in Florida, <laughs> I don't know how we would survive. And I know now you're on a national platform, so much well deserved there, but talk to us about who you are. Thank you. Well, you know, I don't like talking about myself that much, but I, I love you, Rasha, so I'll do it. <laughs> um, I'm a sixth-generation Floridian. Um, I am one of 11 siblings. I have 11 brothers and sisters. Y'all. You well, were 10. born in Florida? Um, I was born in North Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. Born and raised in North Florida. And then I moved to South Florida I moved to LA, was there for like two, three years. And then I moved to South Florida to help build a super PAC. Um, then I left that super PAC and stepped out on my own, stepped out on faith. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, that it was okay. It was great, it's working out, we're here. Um, and then, yeah, I, I guess I came to like political work my whole life because of who my mom was. She's a fundraiser, a surrogate. Um, and she would drag me and my sister that's right under me along with her to these fundraisers and phone banking. And I became obsessed. And so like, I feel like politics and being in politics have, has always been a part of my life. And I like to tell people I got my start in policy because that's where I originally thought this is where all the power is. And that's what I was going to do. And I also used to want to be the mayor of my hometown. (laughs) But then, you know, after getting people elected and seeing things, I said, I don't want to be a mayor. I don't want to be a mayor. So I didn't want to be a mayor anymore. Um, And then 2012, Trayvon Martin was murdered. And that's when I really found myself in the midst of Black liberation work and what does it look like to free our people. 
and um, my my political work has shifted heavily to campaigns at that time. And so I tried to merge both electoral justice with movement. And I honestly didn't know how to do it. And then I found this amazing woman by the name of Jessica Bird, who was like doing the thing that I wanted to do. And so I modeled my work after hers and I learned from all the things that she was doing. And so that's literally how I got to here. You know, I have a expertise in data, digital and field work. And I love to train because I feel like if a revolution came tomorrow, I do not want everybody to be like jam, jam, jam. They need to be able to call upon multiple people who can also do these things. And so um, I've really taken, um, feel like me and training have like this relationship where I feel like it's my duty to skill up other folks. And so for the last four, I gotta do math, count on my fingers, 17, 18. Well, I feel like okay. we keep forgetting like that year of the pandemic. And, I mean, like, at it, it's like. Yeah. So the <laughs> last five years. years, I've been in my Ella Baker bag and I've been skilling other folks up. Like I've trained in 2020 alone, 1,000 and something data directors um wow. and uh i think it was slightly under a thousand digital organizers right and so for me that was good that, and that you know power. right power. power yeah and i you know i got to do it with a black queer feminist lens and framework so it was just like no i'm gonna tell y'all how to do this work and then do it with some morals with some principles so we can really reach people and I think as you know, it's interesting that like you started off from like electoral work and then moved into movement, right? Mm -hmm. So in all of this work, because you've done, you've been in the streets, you've done, you've been in electoral, you've been on campaigns, you've been on higher leadership. Um, and how do you continue to be unbought with your values and continue to mm -hmm. not leave one person behind in this mm -hmm. work? Because something that we continue to see on both sides of the aisle. And even now it's trickled down to social justice orgs, right? Mm -hmm. How do you continue to just center yourself, center black and brown people, and just making sure that, you know, your values continue to be the core of who you are? Because that's something yeah. that I see in you and that I love and I like confide in you and um, yeah. appreciate. Yeah, I would definitely say it's hard because I see it as a constant state of choosing to practice and lean into my principles and my morals. Um, and so it's a practice, right? So the, those moments when I feel like I should speak and I don't speak up, those are the moments when I should speak. So speaking up, which sometimes mean that, hey, Jam, you're, you may get like, they may not want to fuck with you no more because you're like a rebel rouser and you're <laughs> calling all these things out. Sorry and, my life. Yeah. <laughs> And sometimes it can look like leaving institutions that's actually harming black and brown people, that's actually harming me. Because I'm like, if you say you serve us, and internally, I'm experiencing all of this oppression, all of this anti-blackness, this lack of support, like all of these things, sometimes I look like I have to leave and taking a risk of like, will I be okay? How will I pay my bills? And all of right. these things. And so for me, showing up unbought in my work is a daily practice it's a constant practice of choosing to center my blackness my queerness my people my community always and when i do that it makes room for other great people to come it makes room 
from like everything I just went through for somebody else to shine. Like I've seen one of my students in the in the chat down there. And, um, and so I'm just like, she's gonna be amazing. She's brilliant. I feel like everybody that I've come in contact with and I've been able to pour into and pull out of, because I definitely believe that everything we need is within us. Um, you know, I feel like everything I do is for the collective, right? Even if it doesn't end up in my favor, it's for the collective. That's and right. so, it, you know, it, it's a practice, an everyday struggle. <laughs> it's an everyday practice. And I, even when sometimes, like, no matter how many years pass or how seasoned we feel, it's like, it's still going to come a time where you have to face that and really take it back to the drawing boards and refresh our intentions of why we're doing this work because mm -hmm. it's so easy and we see it all the time where you know to be able there's this notion that in order to for the freedom of one community it has to come at the expense of another and to continue to be like no one person yeah. left behind is far too many so mm -hmm. um yeah it, it's a lot of work but you're at movement for black lives now like what are you doing yeah like, so, I, <laughs> I originally was a contractor um, with the Electoral Justice Project. And before that, I was a leader and I helped build the Electoral Justice Project with 12 other brilliant Black strategists um, from across the country. And so uh, we've been shifting and restructuring. And with that, I'm the first and the newest manager of political partnerships. Hey! So it's great. <laughs> so that just looks like... Um, you know, making a roadmap of what it is EJP said we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Um, and then the partners that we've already engaged, engaging them and uh, figuring out how can our projects, you know, map with what they said they want to do and where can we plug in to support people. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that we're really big on at the Electoral Justice Project is adding capacity to base building organizations, adding capacity to organizations who are running field programs, because we know if you put your money where your mouth is, uh, we can shift things and change things radically um, and in a good way. And so, you know, lately, uh, what my work has been focusing on is uh, the anti-protest legislation that has been sweeping the country. Um, and so I put together this national working group um, and we've been trying to have this coordinated clap back to fight back um, because we know that this legislation is meant to um, try to dissent to prevent black dissent. And it's also a voter suppression tactic. It's also an issue in terms of what cash bail looks like because a lot of these pieces of legislation have like mandatory minimums, right? That, that can ruin somebody's entire life. If you're saying you gotta spend six months in jail because you were here and somebody used chalk on the sidewalk. So all of you are going to jail and you're going to jail right now. Like that's the issue, it's a problem. And so uh, most of my work has been focusing on tracking that um, and building out a toolkit so are I can help. multiple ones? Like, is, is oh my God, so Rasha, there has been over, I feel like 400 bills introduced across the country. Um, in 43, yeah. Wow. Well, you know, the thing is, I don't think they're in response. I think that, one, we've always seen after mass right. movements how legislators respond with anti-protest legislation. But because of the uprisings last summer was so massive and the biggest in history to date, mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the biggest in history to date, 
the response has, has been more aggressive and it has been coordinated. And so in my work, I've been getting a lot of things from my partners and organizations on the ground. This bad piece of legislation just entered. Like I just got an email yesterday night from one of our Alabama partners, um, you know, flagging this new, it's anti-protest legislation. They're calling it riot, right? Which is, you know, a thing, right? Riot and protesting is different, but they're trying to make it synonymous. And so that's also like, it's a threat and it's an issue. And so that's been a big bucket of my work. And we have like this program, new programmatic work called Black Capture, which is we're trying to just give resources to organizations that are running field programs that are trying to flip um, either seats in their states or okay. if they're championing some ballot initiative initiative that aligns with our work you know that's what black capture is for um, and of course we're going to continue with our electoral justice league which is our fellowship that we have and we typically have between 10 to 12 fellows each year across the country that are like running amazing campaigns that probably we wouldn't hear about probably wouldn't get the resources um, and so we resource them and have trainings to go with it um and you know that's that's my work at and for bl over there and like i am just so glad to see you there because i know that if you're there things are gonna happen so a couple of comments one i think it's dope that you're doing um just like a lot of these programming because a lot like you said we want to be able to build like structure and foundation because what ends up happening is so many advocacy orgs or movement work gets redirected um, from resources to funding because we're always in responsive and reactive mode and we have to react right so mm -hmm. being able to like build that internally on that within that organization is so much power my other reaction is absolutely i agree with you on a, the notion that these anti-protest bills are not new right so coming from florida and across the country um, Florida has a history of passing anti-protest bills. We've mm -hmm. seen the anti-BDS legislation in 2016, and we saw it on the, in the last session where the anti-Semitism bill passed unanimously. Mm -hmm. So that means all our progressive boos and champions in Florida that we love to prop up all the time without accountability voted for this bill that um, really dangerously equates the criticism of Israel with anti-Semitism and what we're seeing now is even this FSU um, student who lost, he was, he had some position in SGA and he was unseated and we're already seeing the product of that. So when we see this anti-protest bill that is targeting the black community and protesting, mm -hmm. um, it's violent and it, it's, and it's not new. And I, and I, for me, I, I wish like, folks would understand that like, this is something that they've been doing to continue mm -hmm. to suppress their vote, continue to suppress and silence um, speech. And it, it just continues to be like the snowball effect, right? Like these mm -hmm. are not, this first of all, we're living in a racist system. These legislations and um, are not new. And like, just being able to tie in all of that, especially if just in Florida, the last session, like yeah. it, you know, and for me, it's just kind of like, is anybody see what's happening in Florida? Are, are folks connecting the dots? And I know that there's people like you, there's um, organizations like Dream Defenders and people that really get it. Um, so I just kind of wanted your reaction to that because I know Movement for Black Lives is an organization that's also unapologetic on Palestine. And you don't see that a lot, right? You don't see that Palestine is included in just like these liberation and freedom um, mm -hmm. movements, right? And 
just struggle to be this this when people talk about struggle or movement and progressive is just sometimes just thrown around right mm -hmm. and that's why I love to see you and your work and movement for black lives and you know people within our circle that are continuing to really um be in true struggle right yeah so. I will definitely say progressivism is a spectrum and I am on the far left of that spectrum <laughs> in comparison to some folks who um, use that title. And I think in terms of being unbothered, being brave enough to say free Palestine, being brave enough to know that even if you can't see some of your own struggle reflected in another people's struggle, right is right and wrong is wrong, right? If someone came up into our house telling us to move out with guns blazing or whatever, or sit outside our door and prayed for however many days and was like, okay, now this is, whole, you gotta go. Like, it'll be a problem. No right. one can do that. And that's wrong, period, right? And, and, and so like, I think that money is big. I think that being in the movement, and the movement in general is just so vast, right? The Black Liberation Movement is a part of this even bigger movement to advance our freedoms and liberties. And I think that there are so many roles that are all of the roles, all of the organizing that people are doing, whether it's repo work, whether it's policy work, whether it's electoral EJ work, whether it's we're a direct action org, whether you are direct service org, like no matter what your work is, we're contributing to advance us to reach that freedom and liberties. And in terms of, you know, politicians, <laughs> say they're progressives who then will unanimously pass a anti-Semitism bill that really isn't anti, you know, that isn't that. It shows that, okay, we need to do more in terms of our inside work, right? What does the political education look like for our alleged champions, for these alleged elected officials that people have a tendency to throw down with and for, right? And so it just shows me that we need to do more work. It also shows me that you're not where I need you to be. And it also shows that I really can't trust you, right? It's like voting isn't the end all be all at all, right? It's like along with voting, along with organizing, along with culture and art, along with all these other things, we are making a big, uh, you know, not to be talking violence, but we're making a big fist and we're going <laughs> to use all those things to fight back. And right. so for me, I'm just like, I'm not surprised, right? right. Florida has a long way to go. Our, our internal right. progressive party is divided within it itself, right? So it's just like for the organizations and the organizers in the groups who are organizing electeds, I feel like they actually have a charge mm -hmm. to do better and show up. Right. If your work is policy work and you're meant to hold people accountable, I need you to step up. And if you don't know how to do it and if you don't know how to talk about it, that's when you build coalition. And you're the expert on talking about these. Can you come help us? Come on, you know. And I think what's happening in some orgs is that because we're trying to build electoral power, it starts getting messy. Like, oh, we're doing electoral work now, which is great. We understand mm -hmm. it's a piece of all of it. But once you elect them, like you hold them accountable. And I think understanding the change in relationship is, is important. Something you yeah. said recently on Twitter, and I really want to make sure that we touch on this is, and you being a person that has a digital background and continues to do digital work, you said digital organizing is not like the 
entire, I don't know what you said exactly, but you just said it wasn't the, that's not how you organize completely. So I kind of want you to talk to that because I know that there's different conversations happening, right? Like mm -hmm. even Clubhouse, like, you know, I am on there. You see Ahmed and I, I see you on there, but- I do, it's so, I'm telling you. Clubhouse, if it you know, uplifts the organizing, great. But it's not like, you know, so. Yeah. Clubhouse has been interesting, and I'll talk about that later. Because, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I was invited to Clubhouse, like, with my friends, and it was like that. And then the next thing you know, it completely pivoted to, like, the organizing work thing. Right. And so then it was like, I didn't want to get on Clubhouse, because when I was getting on Clubhouse, it meant I had to moderate something. And, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm not getting on. Like, I see you, friend. I, I might pop in, and, you know. Um, but I'll definitely, what I said was something along the lines that digital organizing alone isn't enough, right? Um, when it comes to digital organizing, we are replicating the type and style of organizing that's happening on the ground. So if you aren't talking to people outside of Al Gore's internet, then who are you talking to on Al Gore's internet, right? How are you translating the power that you are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? mustering up like how are you translating all of that goodness that you're mustering up to impact material conditions of people's lives and so when i am training people about digital organizing i tell them whose stories are you telling right because inherently if you aren't having if you don't have work on the ground if they're and it doesn't have to be you personally as a digital organizer on the ground but if you don't have allies if you don't have people inside of your coalition inside of your group that are organizing on the ground then your digital organizing alone is not enough and when we look at groups like moveon.org who's a huge digital organization right. but they also have an on the ground component component they're resistance summers they have chapters all across this country right even some of us which is like you know a partner baby of moveon.org they even have people on the ground right their digital presence is only as powerful as the work and the stories that they get to elevate and tell because that's our job right they have a base and so it's like sure you can be a great digital organizer but you're only a great digital organizer because somebody is doing work elsewhere right mm -hmm. and so like something comes up all the time when people's like oh well disabled people or differently able people haven't been able to um organize on the ground and i was like no one is saying that they have to right right and in in me saying that digital organizing alone isn't enough or isn't organizing isn't a jab at disabled folks because the disabled and differently able body people that cannot physically leave their home for whatever the reason is them being digital organizers is fine. But when mm -hmm. it comes to disability justice, that movement is so big and there are organizers on the ground, right? right so when right. people are able to share their experiences and talk about their stories, they're hearing it online, but they're also seeing it in person because there's somebody else inside of your community that's on the ground doing that work, right? Regardless if they're not differently able, regardless if they are an able-bodied person, it's all bigger, right? right? So because like, if I were to just take the Twitter and tweet hot takes all day, but I'm not going to no organizers meeting. I'm not organizing electeds. I'm not organizing my resources to redirect my followers to show up to someplace. I'm really just an activist and is really just for self, right? But when yeah. we organize, we organize for power and we organize together. We organize to make a, a, a material 
difference in our community's lives. And so that's what I was saying in terms of digital organizing, because, you know, there are a lot of folks who've been activated. I would say Bernie 16, when Bernie uh, originally ran for uh, president in the primaries, um, there were a lot of new folks who were activated. And I'm not just saying all of these folks were Bernie, I mean, just in general. And then there was another wave in terms of new folks being activated during the Women's March, right? There are key critical moments in time of progressivism that we've been able to witness that have like all these pop-ups of new organizers. Um, also when Trump got elected, right? Mm -hmm. There was all these pop-up post-Trump groups, right? And so a big critical piece that's missing is the political education. Yes, your rage is important. Yes, your feelings are valid, but also political education. Who's been doing this work? What has been done? Um, and what can I do and add differently, right? In the spirit of abundance, right? How can I add to and not take from? And then how can I learn? We must be rigorous and militant and precise in our studies and how we show up in our work. And so for me, I feel like there's just a generation of folks who are digital organizers, who's like, I'm an organizer, but like, if you aren't organizing, even online, right? You can get right. a whole bunch of likes, a whole bunch of retweets, a whole bunch of followers, but yeah. how are you transforming that into power? How are you gonna use those retweets to actually organize all the people that are listening to you into action? And so digital organizing without action, without an ask, is not organizing. And I stand by that. Yeah. So, you know, it's a it's thing. It's so important because, like, you're supposed to be cultivating relationships or being in mm -hmm. relationship to being able to agitate whatever change you're trying to make. And yeah. when we think about digital organizing, like you said, it's uplifting whatever is happening on the ground or it's adding to that. Mm -hmm. um, there would be nothing to uplift if there, if there wasn't work being done on the ground. Yeah. But, Absolutely. And I'm sure that obviously there's a bit with the pandemic, there's a lot that has been shifting. shifting I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm laughing because like before the pandemic, people required digital organizers that they were hiring to live inside of their city. But the thing is, digital organizing and cultural organizing has been happening for a really long time. Mm -hmm. But now we see, we've seen people investing like, oh, we have a digital director, but that digital director reports to the comms director, or we have a digital organizer and it's just one person. Right, and I'm right. like, to run one social media platform is a lot. Right. But typically your digital person or your digital team is what you should have should be bigger than one person. And they should not be embedded inside of the comms. But we also should break out the fact that like our work shouldn't be in silos either. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so like even with the pandemic, people are like, okay, so digital organizer, organizers, you can be remote now, which is something that digital organizers have been screaming for years. Like, we don't need to live in your city. We do not need to report to your office. To do <laughs> and now work. it's like, it sounds like, oh, look, we're still doing the work and we're not mm -hmm. in the city. Or in city. a pandemic at home. So it was all a lie that I had to report to your <laughs> office, you know, right. to do this job for you to micromanage me on something that you yourself may not understand or know how to do. And so like, even in this pandemic, people are still trying to make sense of digital organizing, even though it's been around for a while, right? Even though people have been screaming, digital organizers, digital strategists, experts have been screaming, this is what we need to do. Um, people still aren't hearing us, right? Because they're, they're trying to make sense of it. How can, all right, we know digital is important. Maybe if I go to this training, I can do a thing. But 
just like anything we do in life, I think is a constant practice, a constant choosing mm -hmm. to show up and be better. And the pandemic, you know, it got us somewhere. Right. But we still got ways to go in terms yeah. of like digital organizing and how organizations are incorporating it into their work if they haven't or how they're expanding it in their work from what they were doing uh, pre-corona-19, coronavirus, COVID, panoramic, whatever. You know, this pandemic is not, it's for the birds. It <laughs> is. So it's a definitely unconventional times. I Also, something I really, like, hope you can speak to is something, you know, you and I have talked on one-on-one, -on -one, but also I see that you speak, like, on your platform, just being a Black woman and, you know, you know, stepping into your power and what that's been like um, in these spaces when folks don't take you seriously or, you know, even not give you credit when you are doing this work or just like your interviewing process and, you know, just speaking to that and what it's been like and how, you know, for people listening, um, how to really hold their power and, and value themselves. Yeah. I think what I had to learn is that my work and the nature of my work did not need to be validated by others. And that was a hard pill that I had to swallow. It's like, you actually don't need validation, Jam. You mm -hmm. keep doing the work. It's the fact that when I look up and the people who may not acknowledge me or who may say a thing or whatever, and also I will say, I had to take myself out of it. Mm -hmm. It's not about Jam the person. I truly love Black people. I truly love the work that I do. And so for me, is I'm asking myself, does this get us closer to our North Star? I'm asking myself, okay, a few months of uncomfortability, but this is where we'll be, right? So, you know, I, I remove myself, and I know that the validity of my work is not dependent on others' recognition. And so when I, when I do get a little petty, because it's hard and it's difficult. It is so, hard. So, like... so I'm not this principal, y'all. Because so when I do something, <laughs> I'd be in my little corner with my little friends, and I'd be like, "But where is your work? Show me the work. Where is your work?" Because I'm just like, I can show you my work. I can show you wins if you want to look at work that way. Like I've been organizing, and I'm going to continue to organize regardless if it's people, elected, funders, whatever data. Right. <laughs> I'm going to continue to organize. And so for me, it's, it's been more so of keep going. And as I've continued to keep organizing and being able to check my pride and, you know, my ego, get that in balance and realize that, like, if I keep being prideful, if I keep showing up with an ego, then I won't be able to do the good work that I want to do. And I will also say before I got to that point, I had to get out of toxic situations. Right. I was in two very That's toxic why. working places that weren't great. Like I was in one working place that was extremely anti-Black. And so I had to take the courage to be like, they're doing good work, but they're not doing enough for my Black people. And so I had to leave and I quit. I quit because I woke up and I did not want to go to work and I didn't like it. And for me, I enjoy the work that I do. And so when I left, I was blessed, right? I became the youngest data director on the statewide campaign in the country. I also became the only black data director on a statewide campaign in the country mm -hmm. at the same time. And we won. And when right. we won, we made history. My candidate became the first black democratic gubernatorial nominee in the state of Florida, which I'm like, 
that only I was only able to be a part of that history and help create that history because I removed myself from a toxic working environment where I wasn't able to thrive and where my people and my blackness was not seen. Um, and then, you know, it happened again. I was like, I was becoming national and I didn't want to be national. I equated at the time national would be. We got to Florida. Right. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be national. That's bad. I'm not, you know, I had this fear and it was so irrational to the point where like, I took a desk job in Florida at this organization. But then at that organization, everybody was like, I can't believe you're here. They were just like so big eyed. And yeah. so like jams here. Oh my God. And my direct supervisor thought I wanted her job. And I was like, I don't want to be a data director. If I wanted to be a data director, I would be a data director. I just did this so I could stay home. Right. <laughs> and it didn't turn out right because internally that organization was super anti-Black. And being progressive while Black is hard because these are people that are your allies and supposed to support you and see you. And, and at the same it. time, yeah. they silence you, they harm you, they hurt you. And then if gaslight you, they deflect and make you yeah. feel. And they try to, you know, blacklist you. But yeah. when you keep doing your work, doing the Lord's work, doing a good work, all of that won't matter because your work will speak louder than people's lies. And so there is a saying, I don't know if I heard this or I read it somewhere, but it was along the lines of a real narrative, which is your narrative, versus one bad apple and their false narrative it's going to outweigh it regardless. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being able to have that courage to be like, actually, fuck this huge ass organization in Florida. Okay. Don't speak on my name. F y'all. <laughs> that took a lot of courage and energy too. So, I, you know, standing in your power and being unbought in your work is a constant practice, y'all. Like I said earlier, when you asked me, it's a constant practice. It's, it's constantly choosing to stand in your principles and do what feels good right if it don't feel good then it wasn't successful because i wouldn't do it again and the people i brought with me probably wouldn't want to do it again either and so a measure of success for me is did it feel good jam you did this thing you were a part of this thing did it feel good actually no i don't want to do it anymore but thanks that's not good you know so it's like so what choices and decisions can we make next time to where it feels good and you want to do it bigger and better. And I'm a dreamer, okay? I'd be like, oh, let's do this. We can do that. You know, I'm I'm real big on the power of imagination. Manifest it to make sure it happens. It will. It, it, it will. I'm telling you, manifesting will change your life. The energy, like who you're oh, around, like mm -hmm. all of that can't be overlooked, right? Yeah, it, it really can. So I'm just, you know, I just be out here. And I'm like, fuck this pussy hoes. <laughs> curse on your stuff, Rasha? Because I'd be cursing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'd be like, fuck these pussy hoes. I'm about to go do this work because where's your work? <laughs> you know, you know, when you once you take yourself out of it, you're good. You know, and then in that moment, it feels like if yeah. there's like an abandonment, there's betrayal, there's a lot of mm -hmm. things that can heal, right? Like it's it's real to feel marginalized in spaces mm -hmm. that were you think are meant to protect you and fight with you yeah um, so i think i'm just so i i maybe i need to hear everything you just said but it's important to, for us to remind ourselves and for folks to hear it because it's continuing like the mm -hmm. anti-blackness in these spaces or just exceptionalism on where they are with um different communities and I just want to like look at Florida and be like, we will never really win. 
if we continue to do this? Like, why are we continuing to make the same mistakes? You know, honestly, I'll say this. I, I learned a lot with my work with the Electoral Justice Project and just being along other brilliant, oh my God, so many brilliant people. What I learned is build your own table, build your own shit and then start doing your work there. And it doesn't matter if they wanna to try to delegitimize your work, but because we believe in our work and we know that we're doing what's best for our people, they're not gonna have a choice but to see it and to recognize it. Regardless, you know, they, they don't have a choice because it's just like, what are you gonna do? You gonna deny the work we just did? You can't because the people seen it. Now what? What's up? What's good? And so I'm just very much so to everybody in Florida Build your own shit. And I'm saying this knowing that there are I mean, we have Ruff Michelle Rayner in here. And she, she yes. is just that, right? Yeah, build our own shit. And we have, look, I'm not too worried about my state. Like, I know it's a shit show, but whose state really isn't a shit show? But I know that there are tables being built, you know, containers being built who are about to stunt. And I love to stunt on a motherfucker, okay? It's just like... <laughs> We starting. Okay, oh. y'all talking to the same people, but all right. <laughs> so. We got Don in here, too. Hey. I see a lot of folks. Hey, Eli. <laughs> hey, Kayla. Hi, Q. Um, but yeah, like, build your own shit. Like, once you get I tired like, of it. Yeah, after you did it, you built your own. Um, You're building your own. own. I see yeah. you, boo. Um. With everything, just like obviously it's Black History Month, um, but also um, in honor of the legacy of Malcolm X, um, when we reflect and just, I don't know if you saw One Night in Miami. I actually well, haven't seen it yet. I feel so bad. I no, feel I don't so feel bad. bad, but like, it's just I feel like I'm not. Even though it's like not a real story, but right. it's based off of like a real moment. Yeah. I was like crying and I was like reflecting as on they're like, you know, it's not like what really was said. We just, I'm like, I know, but I feel like, I, and I just think like with Malcolm X, it's, you know, he reminds me of someone that just like, like they lived this lonely life. It, like people think that like when they were civil rights leaders that mm -hmm. they were always loved and appreciated, but like, mind you, like, no, that's not the case. Like, continuing to speak truth to power is mm -hmm. exhausting it's tiring and yeah um i know. feel like i'll be needing the check sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that's like the baby capitalist in me that's still here it hasn't been abolished yet i'm not even going front like sometimes it's tiring but we know and i know you know this too that like the work we're doing is going to benefit everyone the masses or like what i like to say is regular niggas it's gonna benefit regular niggas you know because i feel like a lot of times we talk to our friends and it's like okay we get defund the police but regular yes. niggas are not trying to defund the police which means we need to do better at bringing people in and talk to regular niggas where the money reside <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think that having that conversation with like you know florida people that wanting to run um I'm like, look, they're gonna, you know, you're, you're for defund the police, you know, it's not about how you move away from that, or mm -hmm. try to rename it, it's how we speak about it, how we educate people on what defund the police means, like own it. Mm -hmm. When you think about Reverend Warnock, like, 
-hmm. obviously I have my feelings about the Palestine stuff but like he in his debate with about the defund the police like because people are like Russia he's not for defund the police I'm like what like just the way he talked about it he's like no you're for defund the police to his opponent and I was just like that's not how talk about what defunding police mm -hmm. is. Talk about what this means because we gotta get folks to be able to when they're going to the ballot box, like voting for a better world, not because out of fear of like this fascist is still in administration, or whatever, but being able to give the people opportunity to vote for a better world, for better living conditions. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, you know, I I see that with you. I see that for movement for Black Lives. Yeah. I see that with so many folks, right? being able to really craft just the narrative to what it's about because we're spending too much resources and funding and oh, um, trying to redirect our messaging than being like, no, this is, we are for defending police and this is what it's going to mean. Yeah. I feel like we're really blessed over at the movement for black lives. And I feel like anybody inside of that ecosystem, because we have, two of the brilliant, baddest comms people in the world helping us with narrative, right? And that's also a part of digital organizing. It's not just amplifying stories, but how are you gonna really be the own narrators of our stories? Because we should be. It should not be somebody that does not look like us telling our stories, because why? And what are you talking about? Girl, bye. Mm -mm. And so I... You know, I'm blessed. We got Chanel and Chelsea and they're leading and we have a lot of brilliant folks who are working under them. And I'm just like, we're going to be good over there. <laughs> so are you they going to be, be doing a lot more electoral work or because I know that they start, y'all did the policy and legislation. We have the Breathe Act and that mm -hmm. is, we got we Corey also Bush. have now we got people like Cory Bush. And, you know, oh my god i love her i feel where is my cory bush in the state of florida <laughs> i want <laughs> where you at i feel like everyone you, oh girl if i ever run for office I, I i don't see it if i ever was like you know what it's, i gotta do it because y'all you know if that moment happens i'll call you <laughs> but uh, i think my powers are better used at getting right. other folks into office and training up more folks to like do roles because like y'all if that alleged coup would have been successful I would have been worn out if people was like, jam, jam, jam. No, I need for people to be calling out Lanisha, Imani, Brooke, Rebecca, Rowe, all these other people that have, you know, I've been able to pour into and fellowship and build with. Because I'm like, y'all not about to draw me out, wear me out. Because I think well, a part kind of... What training do you do, like, specifically? Um, so I do digital organizing trainings, data strategy trainings, um, and then something that we call our engineering toolbox, which means, like, teaching people how to code with Python or SQL, if you think SQL is a coding language. You know, there's a debate there. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, like, Google Sheets, because Google Sheets is powerful. Oh, and inside yeah. of, like, the data stuff, we talk okay. about all the different CRMs. And inside of in storytelling and organizing, because I, I'm an artist at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And so all of my work, I approach as art. And I love to tell people, y'all, data is nothing but information about our people that's going to allow for us to tell beautiful stories right that is my framing about 
data. And, and that's really what it is. And I do a lot of digital organizing training. So inside of that toolbox comes with design. It comes with how are we building out a ladder of engagement, organizing, right? In order to do that, you have to understand organizing and what it's like to organize. Um, and what else do I do? Oh, field strategies, you know. What else do I do? I do, do I it mean, it's a lot. It's My little <laughs> humble bumblebee. <laughs> you know, just, you know, I'll be, I'll be out here doing stuff. Good stuff, hopefully, you know. It is good stuff. It's amazing. Um, yeah. I'm just so grateful for the work that you do. Oh, thank yeah. you, Rasha. I'm so You're proud so of you. I was trying to think, like, when the first time I met you was. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Ooh. I was like, I have a lot of memories in my head. And I was just like. When was the first time we met? I don't know. I feel like maybe it was, was it during, like, 2018 elections? Because that was, like, what? <laughs> a lot. I don't remember now. But because you were, like, on IE. Like, I was on IE side of something. You were on a campaign. So, like, it was, like, yeah. Yeah, wall. But, like. But I feel like I knew you before election time. Probably. I feel like we probably met on, like, some Palestine Black solidarity. Right, right. And I'm just trying to figure out what was that container. Someone has a question for you. Ooh, Noah Little Sequel working. Where is this toolkit? It a toolkit, you know, girl, you know you got access to me. It's there is no toolkit. It's just the trainings, baby. <laughs> but you know, I I always try to make myself available. And I know I've been seeing your stuff. I've just been in a whole bunch of balancing acts of grief and new roles and happiness and excitedness in my love life with my boo. I see her in the Where am I boy? You got a boo? Oh my god, Rasha, you trying to put my business out? <laughs> Call me after the live. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, my last question for you, because I want to like give you your Sunday, and I appreciate you so much for being here, is how do you find joy and practice joy and self-care and all that? I know we throw those words around too, mm -hmm. but it's also important. And <laughs> the rain's laughing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, so I, one, I drink a lot of water. Two, I mind my motherfucking business because minding your business will save me so much stress. It's an already stressful world, right? And then three, I love to create. So like I spend time designing new pieces for my line or I'm writing songs because you know, you girl about to drop a yes, piece this year. <laughs> like I just like, I, I, I just see one in a minute though. I know I have a song dropping on March 20th. I'm super excited. So, you know, I'll start pubbing it soon. Yes. Uh, but, you know, I literally sit back and create. I think that is important for us to have outlets outside of our work. And because our lives are just so political, it doesn't matter what I create. It's going to be political. And I find joy in fellowshipping with my community, my family, my loved ones, just being around people with great energy who I know I vibe with. And it's just nothing feels better than being in a room full of your people. Right. You know? And so for self-care, that's what I do. I drink water, mind my business. I create. Oh, and I be eating. Oh, my God. And if outside was truly opened up, you know me, I would have been jet setting. I love to travel. I was just going to say. 
I love to watch you travel. <laughs> and now I I'm like with this pandemic, I'm like, I wish I traveled more for pleasure than work. Cause I, you know, it was always something for me like, oh, mm -hmm. later on. And now I'm like, I'm going to come out of this pandemic. <laughs> like, Look, I, I got money. I got money saved, okay? The pandemic shut me down. That's three trips. That means my when the when outside open up or when I get vaccinated, because I'm getting vaccinated. Yes. <laughs> um, because it's you know, it's about all of us and hopefully the, the vaccine works out for me. Um, but I, I plan on getting vaccinated and I plan on taking a vacation that's gonna be amazing. And all I can think about is tacos. I can think about my lover, I can think about a son. I want I need water. You also are you Miami still? No, I told you I moved to where you at. Oh yeah, oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Holy, that's right. That's from months ago. Been waiting for you to try to come to my house, but yeah. <laughs> now, now we can do a social distance count because before I was like, I don't want to see nobody. Don't even look at me because I'm. This pandemic has like really. Been it's been challenging. I think. I think I'm gonna be real. Like, as hard as the pandemic was and all of the losses that I experienced, I also gained so much. And it was a really good year in terms of my career. It was a really good year. Like, I was able to accomplish a lot of things. So I'm not about to sit up here and pretend, oh, the pandemic was so bad. And, you know, because people aren't doing well in the pandemic. and But it also hasn't impacted me as bad as it has others right i was still able to thrive and show up and live and also i think that that's also a constant practice of choosing your happiness and your joy and to know that we are whole people yes we're in a pandemic but i can still laugh with my friends right. i can still be you know with my lover and having a ball and being all cute you know what i mean like and i can also still be sad that i just lost a cousin to covid right, right? Like, all of these things can be true at one time. But I think with all the bad, I had way more good in 2020. Mm -hmm. And so I just like telling people that and being honest about it. I'm like, yeah, girl, it's hard, but I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so what is 2021? Um, what are you hoping to achieve this year? Um, I'm hoping, honestly... I'm hoping to stand more in my artistry because I'm so sensitive. I'm definitely one of those artists that is sensitive and protective over her work. I'd be like, I'll let you listen in this like five seconds and then I'll like cut it off. <laughs> or I'd be like, watermark something and send, this is what I'm working on. And so I, for me, I'm hoping to let go and, and share. And for me, that's what success looks like in 2021 in terms of my artistry, in terms of my Black liberation work. I want to continue to train people up. Um, and I want to continue to invest in base building organizations. You know, I got my hand on a bag now. So I'm like, mm -hmm. you get a money, you get money, you, get, <laughs> you know, until we run out. But we also need to be sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> but you know being able to like just invest in base building orgs that are doing field programs um you know i just want to do my part and so that's what 2021 look it looks like stepping up from 2020 so real quick tell us about the song that you're gonna release oh my god okay this song is called f song is uh sensual Wait, what is it called f song it's so country F song. And you know, I didn't want to be like super explicit in the title. So I was just like, F song, but it's a very <laughs> sensual song. It is um, allowing for me to explore 
also like my sexuality in terms of like music and stuff outwardly mm -hmm. and so it's a it's like a it's a little bop you might put it on your playlist your cuddle playlist or something you know so that's that song and i'm super excited to drop it um well for it to go live in 2020 because i pushed it already so it's just sitting waiting to come out <laughs> so um yeah i'm i i i'm excited yeah I'm excited <laughs> because I love listening to your music and I'm glad that you're at a point where you're ready to share with the rest of us and much, you know, much love to your sensitivity and your artwork. But there's some of us that don't have an art bone in their body. So we wait for things like that. Russia, and the way you be beating your face, that is art. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Honestly, I was proud of my left eyeliner today i was like oh that hasn't happened in a while I was like don't touch it don't sneeze looks good but uh, <laughs> the right one came i was like eh, it's meant to be but it looks good i didn't even try this morning because let me i got a new puppy and Aww. bye I got a new puppy and so my schedule has been thrown off and so i'm trying to get him into routine so i can get back to my routine oh where's your puppy He's actually downstairs. I'm at my say, like he's quiet. Yeah, he's getting all the love and all the attention. Probably, his name is Buster. Cluster, that's so cute. Mm -hmm. He's a cop. Well, I can't wait to meet Cluster and have our social distance uh, yeah. meet up hopefully soon. I mm -hmm. love you and I appreciate you, and I'm just so glad that you are in this world and trying to, you know, make this a better world for folks who come after us. And mm -hmm. I'm just so grateful that you, I got to come across you and that you're on my live and people get to hear from you, um, Jam, and thank you so much. Any last thoughts? Um, I love you. Aww. I'm grateful for you and our relationship, our friendship. And um, you got this, you're shining. And I love to see it. <laughs> Just know that, like, the conversations that we've had is what I carry and what I think about when I'm having, like, those moments where I'm like, what is happening? And I I see your face at a um, oh. taco, right? And, like, <laughs> I, and I can, and I hear what you've said, and I carry it, and I hold that. So just know that yes, you've impacted me in a way and how I show up in this organizing world. So I give you yeah. more flowers. Oh, thank you, Rasha. All right, love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye.